welcome all of our campuses to week two of our new series called Tough Questions. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us online, Facebook Live, all the campuses. Man, we are so excited to have you guys. So we have begun a new series called Tough Questions. So here's what I'm doing during the month of July. I'm, I'm answering some questions that often are tough. For example, last week I talked about, can you be a Christian and be depressed? And I, I want to encourage you, if you were not here last week, I probably got more feedback uh, from that message than I have in a long time. I want to encourage you to download that, go online, and to watch that message. I do want to promo next week. I've had a lot of people email me. Uh, with the onset of COVID-19 and all that's going on in our world right now the last three months. And here's one of the questions that I've got. Pastor Steve, do you think that we are living in the end times? And so I want to encourage you, next week I'm going to be addressing that, both Old and New Testament. I'm going to be looking at scriptures throughout the Bible, and I'm going to do my best to uh, help all of us understand from Scripture what does God say about the end times. By the way, what are some signs? What are some things that the Bible talks about? These are the signs. So uh, it is a message, man, to whether you're online or in one of our physical locations, to invite a friend uh, to come to it, and you do not want to miss that. I'll finish up the series uh, with a message entitled, Why Is It So Hard to Change? Why is it so hard to change today? I want to answer a question that I think is very pervasive uh, in our culture today. Uh, we live in a what I would consider a spiritual culture, not necessarily Christian, but a spiritual culture. And so one of the questions uh, that people will have today, whether it's on uh, you, you watch Hollywood stars and people and interviews, uh, you, you'll have this question. Is Jesus really the only way to God? I mean, after all, we, we live, Pastor Steve, I mean, there's, there's, I have a lot of friends that are spiritual. I mean, I have a lot of friends, right, Pastor? I mean, they're neighbors and friends and coworkers, and, and, and I know these people, and, and, and they're, they're spiritual people. And so my question specifically, Pastor Steve, is, is and, and I know that Jesus is like for us, but, like, but, but does he have to be for everybody? In other words, is Jesus really the only way to God? It's interesting the different questions that people have uh, in our culture today. I, I wrote down some what I would call secondary, but they all blend together. Here, here's one that people have. Wasn't Jesus a good moral teacher? In other words, he was a good teacher, Pastor Steve, and he taught us how to live. But, but, but I mean, is, is he God? Is he like, I mean, he can help us, but is he, is he the only way? Let me give you another one. Since all religions, oh, this is big. Since all religions are basically the same. I mean, isn't that right, Pastor Steve? When you boil this thing down, isn't it all about kind of God up there and we're all just kind of general humanity, brotherhood of man, sisterhood. I mean, we're just kind of all this together. If religions are basically all kind of the same, does it really matter what you believe? It's a big question. Here's another one. Jesus can be the only way to God for you. But Pastor Steve, how can I say that he's the only way for, for, like, for all my relatives and friends? Maybe you've asked that before. Maybe you're struggling with that. By the way, I've struggled with these 
coming to, before coming to Christ, I was at Tulane University, I gave my heart to Christ, and, and then I started studying scripture, and, 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 and many of the answers that I'm going to be talking about today, I've discovered over 30 years. Let me give you this one. This is probably the biggest in our culture today. Here it is. You guys ready? This is probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks that people have related to religion and faith, Christianity, and, and how do they all work together? Here it is. Question. Pastor Steve, let me ask you this. As long as somebody's a good person and helps people, isn't that enough? I mean, they're good people and help people. Isn't that enough? Today, we are going to look at what I would consider, this is my opinion, the most audacious statement that Jesus ever made. And by the way, he made audacious statements. You guys realize that, huh? I mean, radical statements. For example, here's a radical statement he made. You, got, you guys ready for this? This is an audacious, radical statement. Here it is. Love your enemies. How many of y'all did that this week? Come on, anybody really loved your enemies? Okay, you're so holy. Let me go up to another level because Jesus did, all right? Here's what he also said. Pray blessing over your enemies. I know y'all did that this morning. Isn't that right? You prayed for him. God judge him. No, I'm just saying. Jesus said radical statements like, like, in order to save your life, listen, oh, oh, you gotta, you gotta, well, you gotta, you gotta lose your life. How about this one? In order to, in order to receive, you've got to give. There was all these counterintuitive statements that Jesus made that, that, that cut across what I would say the grain of human nature, all of our nature. But this statement, this statement, and in my opinion, is lifted out above all other statements. This statement is what I would consider his boldest statement he ever made. And by the way, when we used to read physical Bibles, now I know most people read their phones now, but the, the, these letters were in red. Does anybody read a Bible with red letters anymore? Come on now. I mean, I appreciate There's something about that. I, I, I love my Bible. Matter of fact, I remember as a Christian, as a young Christian, you'd get a new Bible and you didn't want to get a new Bible because you knew where the scriptures were in your old Bible. How many know what I'm talking about? And you'd underline things. Well, these, th this statement is right from the lips of Jesus. You guys ready for it? Boldest statement he ever said, in my opinion. Here it is. I want everybody to hear me at all of our campuses, those at physical locations. This is the statement. And by the way, this statement, this statement is, is the most radical statement in our culture today. This statement that he made. Here it is. <sighs> I'm ready. John chapter 14, verse 6. Remember the question. Is Jesus really the only way to God? All of your friends, all the conversations, all of the things. Here it is. Ready? Jesus said, Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one. Everyone say no one. Come on, say it again. Say it. No one. One more time. Say it. No one comes to the Father but by me. Wow. That statement, if you think about the ramifications the boldness of Christ, to be able to say that. Some might think that that's narrow-minded. Maybe some of you today are investigating Christianity. By the way, I know there's people that come to our physical locations. They watch us online every week that are investigating Christianity. We are so honored that you're here. We are so welcoming to you to come here. But this question right here is a question that our culture is grappling with right now. Big time. 
Matter of fact, let me prove it to you. You could have a conversation with anybody about God. God. You talk about God. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, my God's up there, and I'm God. You're God, and we're all gods. I mean, God. Okay. But the moment, what, notice this, the moment that you introduce the name Jesus, people kind of get like, well, what was Jesus, like, what does he have to do with Well, I mean, that's, that's who I work. I mean, wait, Jesus, don't judge me. Judge me. What are you talking about? There's something about the name of Jesus. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. There's something about the power of that name. Question, is it narrow-minded that Jesus, is it arrogant that he said that he's the way? Think about that for a moment. I had a guy tell me one time, he goes, well, you know what, Steve? Jesus was a good moral teacher, but, but, but I don't believe all that he's the only way. I said, well, he said it. How can you subscribe to and ascribe to his teachings of good moral ethical living, but yet you, 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 you decry the fact that he's also the one that said he's the way to a relationship with God the Father? You can't have it both ways. Wow. After many years of studying this, I've come to the conclusion that Jesus was telling the truth, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to help you guys today. I'm going to equip you guys today. Some of you, maybe this is going to jar some of your thinking. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to really go for it today. I'm going to, I'm going to say some things that, that, that I trust will be able to help you if you don't know Christ, if you do know Christ, to equip you. Because I think it is so important that we answer this question. I don't believe that Jesus said it out of any spirit of arrogance. I, said he, I believe he said it out of great compassion. Because he wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us. I want to talk to you today about two myths about religion and Christianity to answer that question. In order to answer that question, is Jesus the only way to God? We're not only going to take his words, but we're also going to break down and I'm going to outline scripturally why I believe it by exposing two myths. Here we go. Number one, this is a myth. This is not true. This is a myth. All religions are basically the same. All religions, you ever heard that before? All religions are basically the same. Some people believe when you strip it all down, Kind of the surface level distinctions. I mean, when you get down to it, when you water it down, Steve, the essentials of all religion are basically, I mean, the same thing. Does it really matter what you believe? After all, aren't we all kind of on this path? We're on this path and we're, and we're, and we're moving up this, the mountain. You know, I mean, listen, if we get to the top, it doesn't matter what path you take. That's what some would say. I mean, after all, we're all just kind of doing this thing together. It's all just, if you strip it down, that's not true, though. <laughs> Christianity is considered, quote, a world religion. Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, it's considered a world religion. But, but I want to suggest to all of you today, all of our audience, that, that, that Christianity, although it's considered a religion, it is distinctive above all the rest because of its founder and the claims of its founder. Let me give you an example. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. That's what the writer says in Acts. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name. There's no other name. There's not like a bunch of ways. There's only one way. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be. Come on, everybody say it. Say it. Say The uniqueness of Christianity is rooted in the uniqueness of Christ himself. He is unlike any other religious leader who walked the planet. Listen to the difference. Listen to the difference between what other religious leaders say and what Jesus said. You guys ready? Here it is. Stay with me. New Age religious leaders, they would say this, follow me and I will show you how to find the truth. You remember what Jesus said about that? Jesus said, I am the what? Say it. 
truth. Islamic leaders would say, follow me and I will show you the way to salvation. Jesus said, I am the what? Way to eternal life. Buddhist leaders would say, follow me and I will show you how you can become enlightened. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Hindu leaders would say, follow me and I will show you the many doors that lead to God or the gods, they would say. But Jesus said, I am the door. Other religious leaders would say, follow me and I will show you how you can find spiritual nourishment. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. How can you compare? How, there is a distinctive category, Jesus Christ. Christianity is based upon Christ and the claims of Christ and the person of Christ and the work of Christ. You can't throw it in there and just this giant gumbo and a little bit of this, and a little bit of this, and a little bit of this. No, it is distinctive. Why is it distinctive, Pastor? As I've studied world religions through the years, I've found that all religions other than Christianity are based upon this basic premise. Here it is. You ready for this? Mankind must do something in order to find the favor of God. In other words, I've got I've to do something. I've got to pray the Tibetan prayer wheel. I've got to go on a pilgrimage. I've got to give alms to the poor. I've got to do something. And if I can do enough, then somehow I can, I can come into God's favor. It's based upon my works. I've got to do something. Christianity is not based upon what I do. It's not based upon my effort. It's not based upon my works. The reality is, is that mankind has to deal with and grapple with the sin that we deal with, the, 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 the evil in culture. How, how do we deal with what's in our heart? How, how do we see Christianity deals with sin different than all other religious systems? Religious systems say you've got to do something to atone for your own sin, to eradicate your own sin, to somehow get it off of you, to get close to God. Christianity says something entirely different. I'm going to give you guys two things, and I'm going to talk about, there have been two recent comments by two different news anchors from two different stations. You do realize there's only two stations. You do realize that. So I'm going to make a comment from one station guy and an another guy and another station. So you do know they're men. And I do want to say they're both, they're both theologically incorrect. So let me, let me pick on the first guy and the first station. About a month ago, one of the guys, the one news anchor, Pastor, do you watch the news? I will watch it some, but I'm very careful. I definitely don't take my theology from news anchors. I take my theology from the Bible. And this particular guy said this, he goes, well, you know, after all, I don't believe in original sin. All people are born good, and then they're just enculturated with bad things. That's not true. The Bible says that we're born with a fallen nature, an Adamic nature. We inherited a fallen nature from Adam. That is, uh, pastor, prove it. Do you think any child is born out of their mother's womb, and one year, first word they say is, no, please, you take it. No, they don't do that. What do they say? First word they say, come on, say it. What is it? Mine. And the second word, dad. <laughs> is that not true? Come on, y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We were born with a fallen nature, a sin nature. And so religion, uh, so here it is. Just remember this. It all relates to this. Two things. One, how do we deal with our sin and how do we get to God? So religious systems are all based upon how to deal with those two variables. So, for example, we are all guilty. We have to establish that. 
We all have a sin problem we're trying to deal with. John chapter 8, 24. Therefore, I said to you, Jesus said himself, he says, you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. The Bible's clear, Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've sinned, I've sinned, we all, there's a sin problem. Religion says that we have to atone for our sin. We've got to do something to somehow pay for our sin. And if we can pay enough for our sin, then we can come into relationship with God. The second thing that Jesus says that our wrongdoing separates us from God. You know what I'm talking about. Even when we're a Christian, when we sin and, and the Holy Spirit's dealing with our heart, we just feel this separate, we feel this, man, we got to confess it and get it out and clean and, 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 and get that thing out because we don't want anything. It's the same thing with, by the way, same thing with relationships. It goes both ways. We don't want anything to hinder our relationship with God in the same way with one another when possible. Christ came, listen to me very closely, to pay for something. And to take the sting of something called sin. Reminds me of a story of a dad. He was in a car in the country road and they opened up the windows. And, and the boy, by the way, the boy was very allergic to insects. And you ever been around somebody that's allergic to insects? I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. I mean, they break out in hives. I mean, it's a big deal. And, and this boy who was in the car, <clears throat> the windows are open. All of a sudden, this wasp flies into the car. And the dad just instinctively, the boy starts just freaking out instinctively. You know what the dad does? The dad, he just immediately goes and grabs that wasp, which kills the wasp right there before it stung the boy. Because he knew the ramifications of that boy getting stung. Can I tell you something right now? Did that hurt the dad, yes or no? The answer is what? Yes. Why did he do it? Because he loved that boy and he wanted to take the sting of that wasp so that boy wouldn't get it. When God the Father looked down and saw our sin, he sent his son to take the sting of sin so that we wouldn't stay mired in sin. He took for us what we couldn't take for ourselves. We got to see it that way. Christianity is about Jesus Christ taking our, taking our place on the cross. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. All other religious systems are spelled do. Because they fundamentally teach people that you have to do something, some sort of religious ritual to make yourselves morally okay to please God. It's kind of like the, all the salespeople here, all of our campuses. If you're in sales, how would you like it if you sat down with your general, you know, your district manager and you said, how'd I do? Pretty good? Man, I mean, I, man, look, I mean, we, we knocked it out. And they said, well, not exactly. Come back next month and we'll check. Well, what's my quota? Come back next week, just next month. We'll just keep working harder. And you're like, what do you mean, time out? I, you got to give me the, how do I know? I mean, how do I know if I hit it or not? By the way, that's religion. You never quite know if you did enough to make God happy so that you can become right with God. I mean, did I do enough? I mean, the bar keeps changing. Are y'all with me? Ooh, pastor, I never thought of it this way. Christianity is not about what you do. It's about what Jesus did. Do you guys remember one of the seven last things of Jesus on the cross? Do you, do, you remember, do you remember the saying that Jesus said? One of the last things he said, ready for this, ready for this? He said, it, come on, say it, is, finish it, what? Finish, what does that mean? It's done. Religion says do, Christianity says done. Christ did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. 
Now, I know what some of you guys are saying, well, Pastor, I mean, after all, I mean, come on now, Pastor Steve. I mean, you guys love your neighbor. I mean, we got to do good works. Y'all are just giving away all this stuff and doing all this stuff. And I, I, thought, I thought you said that we're generous. And we, we, well, wait, time out. Okay, here it is. Here's how it works. Here's how it works. Let's say this is the line of faith. So the line of faith is right here, and you're not a Christian, all right? So watch this. Watch this. Here, here's how it works. You don't do works. You can't help enough people, do enough people. You can't do enough to somehow get, so to get your soul morally correct enough by doing enough good to somehow get you to cross the line of faith to become a Christian. That's not how it works. So in other words, your good works don't help lift you over the line of being a non-Christian to a Christian. Well, then where are works? Are they not important? They are important. We don't do works at Church of the King to become a Christian. We do good works at Church of the King because we're Christians and we love other people and we want other people to become Christians. Does that make sense? So good works are important. Of course they're important. Of course we want to help the poor, of course. But we don't do that to become right with God. We can't do anything to become right with God. We receive Christ. And by the way, Jesus was a perfect sacrifice. Comment number two from another news station this week. A guy's... On there, and he says, well, admittedly, Jesus Christ is not perfect. Jesus never admitted he wasn't perfect. How can he be an imperfect sacrifice to cleanse imperfect people? You have to have a perfect sacrifice to cleanse imperfection. Only purity can, can, can cleanse imperfection. Jesus was without sin. That's why he was the perfect sacrifice. That's why, listen, we can come to God and be forgiven because we're not dealing with a failed human being. Are you with me? You've got to understand what I'm talking about. This is, this is, uh, this is a whole different, whole different ball game here. Christ was perfect, 100% perfect. Man, I'm fired up about this. I hope you guys are excited because <laughs> I'm telling you where our culture is. We need to know what the gospel is. We need to know what spirituality is. We need to know the message that people need to hear. Titus chapter 3, verse 8, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So I want to go on record for all of our viewers very clearly. All other religions are irreconcilable with Christianity in terms of how you become reconciled with God. Other religious leaders can offer wise sayings and helpful advice on how to live, but only Jesus Christ, because he was the perfect, perfect son of God, only he is qualified to offer himself as a payment for our sin. So it does matter. It does matter what path you follow. It does matter. All right, number two. Myth number two, and I'll close. All religions... All religions have equal claims on the truth. All religions. That's a myth. I mean, Pastor Steve, okay, this is, this is some big stuff you're telling me here. So, so what you're saying to me is that when I'm at a dinner party with people and they say to me, listen, I'm a spiritual person and, 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 I, you know, and I'm just kind of engaged in spirituality, but they're not Christians. So I sh so, and in the past, I would just kind of back off and just, again, we respect people, but if we really... If we really believe that all humanity is sin sick and there's only one remedy and that's Christ, then we should pray for and love them and look for an opportunity to actually share the solution. And so here's the issue. All religions, this is important. I want everybody to hear me. All religions have equal claims on truth. Myth. This claim is a certain amount of appeal in the United States. 
because we live in a tolerant, pluralistic society. And our Constitution protects the rights of all of us as human beings to believe whatever we want to believe. We can believe anything in this country, and that's a good thing. We can believe anything in this country. Some people make the erroneous assumption, though, because the laws of this country protect every belief. Therefore, they believe that every belief must be equally true. And that's not true. Just because we have the right to believe what we want. And by the way, I thank God that we have the right to believe what we want. I thank God for this country. I thank God that we have a constitution that protects our speech. I thank God that we can still say, and I know there's the thought police out there. You can't think this, you can't say this, can't do this. No, I thank God that we can still believe and think. But just because you can believe something and we have the right to still believe something in our country doesn't mean what we're believing is actually true. Does that make sense? We have to think this through. So... The Supreme Court has stated that we live in a country, this is a good thing, where there's a marketplace of ideas. In other words, truth and falsehood grapple it out. That's where we have free ideas and free speech. That's a good thing. And I'm believing God that we can stay in a nation that we can still have free speech and free ideas. And, and, this, and it's the intercourse of ideas and dialogue where, we, where, where somebody, not everybody's got to believe the same thing, but I want to explain something. Religiously speaking, in the kingdom of God, in a relationship with God, just because somebody has the right to believe something doesn't mean they're believing something that's necessarily true. It's important that we understand that. Oh, wow. I never thought of it that way. Let me give you an example. There's a guy named Mike Roykel who was a columnist. He was a journalist in Chicago, and he wrote, the, wrote this tongue-in-cheek article years ago. It's really funny. And he was demonstrating how in America you can believe whatever you want to believe, and, and, and thank God for that. But then he gives the backside of why that's so ironic. And here's what he said. He says, um, in this column, he says he, that he's a member of the Church of the Asylum. Asylum, like insane asylums. Here's what he said. He says, let me tell you about what we believe in the church of the asylum. We believe millions of years ago in a distant galaxy, there lived an advanced civilization of aliens. One day, they were having a dinner party, and some of the aliens came over and ate some veggie dip. The dip was tainted. Thus, they got infected by something that scrambled their brains. They tried to cure these folks, but they couldn't find a cure. So they decided to just find an uninhabited planet and use it as an asylum where they could roam free and act goofy. He said, the planet, well, it's, it's Earth. And we're descendants of those aliens. And he says, you want proof? Just read the history books. Then tell me this planet isn't one big, goofy loony boom. What's his point? He was making a joke, but if Mr. Royko wanted to start a church, the Church of the Asylum, in the United States, he can get tax-exempt status, right? He could be recognized just like the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, the Presbyterian Church, the, the Pentecostal Church, the non-denominational church. The point is, listen, what would not, what, 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 what's the point is just because we have the freedom to do that in America, just because we have the freedom to believe doesn't mean what everybody's believing is necessarily true. That's important. You understand that. So, pastor, okay. All right, Pastor Steve. Well, why do you think Christianity is true? I mean, after all, I mean, you're kind of making some big claims here. Well, no, just remember this. Jesus made big claims. I'm talking about the big claims he made. But let me give you three reasons why I believe, why I believe that Christianity is true. You guys ready? Let me give you three. Number one, Jesus fulfilled biblical prophecy. Now, I want everybody to look up here. I've got two hands open right here. In one hand, this is the Old Testament. Everybody say Old Testament. Okay, everybody say New Testament. All right, so these two books came together, and that's what we call the Bible. Now, 
Jesus comes in the beginning of the New Testament. The Old Testament, this is important, the Old Testament that's written over about 1,500 years, a couple thousand years, watch this. The Old Testament, in the Old Testament from year 1,500 down to about 1,500 B.C. to about 500 B.C., there's 48 scriptures, they're called prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about a man named Jesus. He would be born here. He would do this. He would go through this. In other words, there are, there are things that were in the past speaking about a future person named Jesus and all about this Messiah figure, all right? There are 48 things from hundreds to up to 1,500 years before this guy lived. And they were all fulfilled in Christ. Let me give you an example. There's a British historian named Peter Stone. He said the mathematical improbability of you fulfilling 48 prophecies, all different books of the Bible. All, I'm going to give you one in just a second. I'm going to give you one. He says it's like 1 to 157. That would be like a 10 with, a, with 156 zeros uh, after. In other words, it's a mathematical impossibility for one person to fulfill all of these unless he is the Christ. Let me give you one. You guys ready? Just one. 500 years before the birth of Christ, Micah. Old Testament book. Look what Micah says. This is important. Micah says this about a man. But, but you, Bethlehem of Ephratah, though you were little among the thousands of Judah... Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel who's going forth from old and from everlasting. Now, let's move forward 500 years. Matthew chapter 2. Remember, the first reason why I believe that Christianity is true and that Jesus' words are true is because he was the fulfillment of prophecy. Watch this. Look at Matthew chapter 2 verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in, come on, say it out loud, where? Bethlehem. Isn't that interesting? Well, pastor, that's just one. You're right, but there's 48 of those. He was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod. The king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. It's remarkable. Jesus fulfilled 48 Old Testament prophecies that said he was the Messiah. Number one, the first reason why I believe that Jesus and Christianity, biblical Christianity, are true based upon the founder is he's the fulfillment of prophecy. Number two, Jesus demonstrated unprecedented character. You know how it works many times when you get close to people, the closer you get to them, the more that you find out, you're like, wow, jeez, that's interesting. Y'all remember, those of you that are married where, or, or you were married, whatever, isn't it interesting you start dating your you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, and then you get married? And isn't it interesting that the, the, that the longer that you're with them, how you find out some of their frailties? Does that make sense? Has there anybody ever, and just for a show of hands, because y'all are the holiest people in the whole world. So here's the question. Has anybody with a show of hands after being around somebody three years ago, you really are perfect. Anybody ever said that about, okay, yeah, my wife said that to me once. Y'all didn't get that. But anyway, so, of course not. The more you get around people, the more you got to exercise grace because you see their what? imperfections. Peter, James, and John, they hung around with Jesus all the time, right? They were the inner squad, the crew. 
And you know something? They, they were close to him. And you know what they did? Watch this. You know what they said? You know what John the beloved said? You know what John said about him? Here's what he said. Stay with me. I'm almost finished. He said, 1 John 3, 5, he says, in him, after being with Jesus, listen, for three years, three and a half years he lived with Jesus, and John wrote this towards the end of his life about Jesus. He said, in him, in him, there's no sin. The guy's perfect. Unprecedented character. Peter said this when he was an older man, when he wrote, he says, in Jesus, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. No deceit. There was never any vile speech. There was never any crooked speech. Or that. Wow. Why do I believe that Jesus is the truth? Number one, he fulfilled biblical prophecy. Number two, because he demonstrated unprecedented character, unprecedented character. Number three, because Jesus rose from the dead. The most spectacular demonstration of his deity is when Jesus Christ fulfilled his own prediction. Three days after he was put to death, he was resurrected from the dead. He was encountered by more than 500 eyewitnesses. Paul the Apostle said that in the book of Corinthians. 500 eyewitnesses. Stay with me, I'm almost finished. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. Christ is He's, he's risen from the dead. By the way, a Roman histor a Jewish historian Josephus, Roman historian Tacitus, wrote about a man named Jesus, a historical person named Jesus that lived 2,000 years ago. If you put his time, they wrote that during the time of Christ, there was a man named Jesus. He had followers, disciples. And Jesus fulfilled his own word that he rose from the dead. You know, I, I, I had this... I had this um, I want to say this respectfully. There was a bumper sticker. I don't see it much around anymore, but this bumper sticker said this. It said this. It said, Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. You guys ever seen that before? I understand, and I like that 50%, but we're more than just forgiven. We're actually transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. You're not just a forgiven, broken-down person, but you're a transformed child of God. Not perfect, but transformed. How many are grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you? That's what the Bible says. You've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. So pastor, is it arrogant? I'm closing. Is it arrogant to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Friends, I want everybody to hear me. We live in a sin-sick world. And there's only one, listen, only one remedy. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. It is not arrogant. It is compassionate. Listen, it, it is, listen it, is, it is wrong. We violate people when we know that they have a sin problem. We all do. And to not share the love of God. I understand. You've got to be respectful. You've got to go about everything. But you better pray for them. And if there's a moment to share the love of Christ, to share God's love, why? Because people are, our world is desperate right now for Christ. For the true gospel message that Christ lived, that Christ died, that Christ was buried, and that Jesus Christ rose again. And we have the message of Christ. We have the message. Let me tell you something. When I gave my heart to Christ 31 years ago, I just wasn't just a little gloss. I was transformed by the grace of God. We have people come to our church today. They think, we can't even believe that you're a Christian. I'm grateful that the power of Jesus Christ, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in Steve's body. It shall quicken me and it's transformed me. Are you with me? My question is, where are you with Christ? 
I know this message isn't popular with some people. It's the gospel. And by the way, if we can't say it legally, I'm going to say it. Why? Because Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers. Jesus is the only way to the Father. It's not a bunch of ways. It's only Christ. It's only Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no man comes to the Father. But You can be spiritual, but you're not a Christian unless you come through Christ. Unless you come through Christ. Man, I have so much to say. Guys, listen to me closely. Our culture is broken. You realize that? It is fractured, and it needs Christ. I'm telling you, no, no political leader can fix this thing. Only Jesus Christ can fix human hearts. Only Christ can. I'm telling you, only Christ. Only Christ. Matter of fact, I want everybody to bow their heads. Everybody at all of our campuses, those that are joining us online. I sense the Holy Spirit right now. God's presence is here. God loves people. Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to save. He came to heal. He came to deliver. My question is, is do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? 31 years ago, 32 years ago now, I was turning 19 years old. I was a freshman in college in uptown New Orleans, and I was in a Bible study, and, 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 they, and somebody shared Christ with me. And I gave my heart to Christ. I couldn't save myself. I couldn't change myself. I tried over and over. I tried to turn over a new leaf. I wanted to be better. I want, but I, this is not about self-renovation. This is about Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's about receiving the Son of God. It's not about what I did. It's about what he did. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know that if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? Jesus loves you, my friend. He died for you on the cross. He took the sting of sin. And he'll cleanse you and give you his spirit and make you new. Do you know Jesus? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed at all of our campuses and every single one of you that are joining us, Facebook Live, our YouTube channel, online, this is a holy moment. God is talking to you. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Your uncle being a deacon cannot save you. That's wonderful. But he can't save you. He can pray for you. You've got to come to a place where you surrender to Jesus. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be. Do you know Christ? In just a moment, the count of three, I'm going to ask for a show of hands at all of our campuses. And those of you that are online, I want you to let your online host know that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know that you're ready to stand before God? The count of three, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I want to be at peace with God. If that's you, one, two, three, quickly, hold your hand up. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you guys right here. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, buddy. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you guys. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, sir. God bless you guys. God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you. I remember 31 years ago when I made this decision to follow Christ, when I gave my heart to Jesus. Anybody else? I sense the Holy Spirit here. God's presence. God loves you so much. God cares about you so much. That's what this is all about. That you may know Jesus. Walk in the power and the love of God. Church, let's pray together. Come on, all of our campuses, those that are online, let's all pray together. Say, dear Jesus, come on, all of us, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past. And I turn to you. 
I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this sealing work of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. Lord, the Bible says all heaven rejoices when one turns to you. How much more this many? We give you praise. We give you honor, God. I want everybody to look at me at all of our campuses. If you prayed and trusted Christ and you're in one of our physical locations, whether here at Little Creek or any of our physical locations, there is a card. It's called My Decision. I'm going to ask you to fill it out. Why? And then, by the way, you can, it's real easy. You can drop it off now. Now that we're doing our giving on the way out, you can just drop it off in that same bucket. Is that right, Pastor Doug? And then we want to send you a letter and just telling you what it means to be a, a daily follower of Jesus. Those of you that are online, let your host know what Christ has done in your heart. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. How many enjoyed that message today? Man, I hope that helped you guys. I, I, feel, I feel this increase, this urgency in my heart. Next week, you do not want to miss the message. And I mean that. Whether you're online, vacation, wherever you are, please tune into it. Or one of our physical locations. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray a blessing over your people. I pray the peace and the presence, the provision of God, favor upon their lives. Lord, as children of God, I thank you that we can walk in your love and blessing. And as their pastor, I declare favor over your life. You are a blessed man. You are a blessed woman of God. God's favors upon your life. God's hands upon you. I pray for supernatural protection over your life. I pray for supernatural provision in your life. I pray that your mind would be whole. Your body would be whole. Your soul would be whole. That you'd walk out the destiny that God has for your life. Lord, I pray that over every man, woman, boy, and girl. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, can we bless the Lord? We love you guys. God bless you. Wow, what a great service and another great part of our Tough Question series. We're so glad that you joined us today. And if it's your first time today, we would love to know that you're here. Just say thanks for being here. Give you a little bit more information about the church. So all you need to do is text the words new here, all one word, to the number 25827. We look forward to hearing from you. And we are so grateful for your continued generosity here at Church of the King. We've been able to do some amazing outreaches and that's because of your giving. Remember, you can give online through the Church of the King app by mail or by text. Thank you again as we continue to reach people and build lives. That's right. And if you've never jumped into our Next Steps classes with us, we would love to see you there. Next Steps is a great opportunity to really just connect with others, grow in your relationship with Christ, and really discover how to live out His purposes for you. So for more information and to register, just go to churchoftheking.com slash next steps. Have a great week and we'll see you next weekend.